Revelations chapter 2. Sorry, I'm just seeking the Lord because I feel like I'm forgetting something really big right now. Revelations chapter 2. We are in week 4 of our current series, Letters to the Churches. And like I've said each week when we start this, um, the message, that if you look at the things that the churches were lacking, these seven churches were lacking, and you stack them up in a little list like I did, it looks a lot like the church of today. Uh, the things where they had forsaken their first love, uh, they were being afflicted and in poverty, they were allowing false teaching, practices, tolerating, fault, tolerating false prophets, has a reputation for being alive but are dead inside, not obeying God's commands, has little strength, and just lukewarm. And so these letters to the churches, which, um, by the way, when I think it's been a year, God put in my heart to do a series on these this uh, letters to the churches, that... You know, I kept saying, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. When I got close and I felt like God was saying, now's the time to do it, um, get ready. I'm like, who am I to preach revelations, you know? I don't have no scholar. There's no, you know, abbreviations before or even after my name besides mom, you know. You can call me mom, um, aunt, you know, whatever. But, you know, other than that, who am I? And so every, every week when I'm like, okay, God, step of faith is I'm just going to jump into it and trust your, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit with us. I don't know if you understand this, but he's the author, you know. What a better place. You know, I'm just finishing up, which, by the way, just to give you an update on the book, um, that preaching through the pain that... I'm writing, it's, we just did the final edits on the cover, we've got all the pages put together, we've got the rough draft, we're doing the final crossing the T's and dotting the I's, and it should be released by this, by, we're hoping by May, um, I'll have the, the book in hand and be able to sell it. Um, so I'm very excited, but I mean to, when you want to get the inside scoop on a book, Talk to the author. <laughs> we have the author with us. So when I open up the Bible, when you open up the Bible, don't rely on this, your own understanding. Don't rely on your own wisdom because uh, it's just filthy rags, you know, really. It's nothing. So when I was starting into this series and I jumped into it, I opened it. I mean, I am like all about sponge time, you know, not like SpongeBob time, but of course I like SpongeBob. But anyway, you know, I'm like, you know, Holy Spirit poured in me, you know, I'm open, my ears are open, I'm listening, and I am learning so much every week. I, I mean, I, my eyes, I just can't believe it. I didn't even see that before, you know? I can't tell you how many times this is my 23rd year. This fall will be my 24th year in the ministry as an ordained, credentialed, whatever you want to call it, in the ministry. And so I can't tell you how many times I've read the Word, but every week it's like eye-opening, oh my goodness, you know? So uh, don't neglect 
the one who's trying to whisper to you, the Holy Spirit all the time, directing you, guiding you. So, so um, anyway... So I'm excited that as we get into this, again, I'm, I'm going to forego the recapping of all the weeks before, go online, listen online. I want to jump right into this. Um, but let me give you a little history um, of the church. We're, we're talking about Thyatira, 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 whatever. Um, but let me remind you, and then I'll give you the history. Remember, it says that First Peter 4.17, I believe, it says that judgment needs to begin in the house of God first. Uh, we really need to um, remember that what he's trying to do with these letters to the churches is um, spring cleaning. You know, over the winter, and our winters seem to be longer, we close things up, seal things off. Some of us put plastic on the windows to keep things, you know, you know the wind from blowing in, whatever. But he's saying um, it gets dusty and dirty in there when you do that for so long. It's time to open the shades, open the windows, let his light come in and shine around. Remember, we were called to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We were called to proclaim and preach the good news, to offer hope to people. So he didn't call us to go finger pointing. He called us to hold out a hand, touch the leper, open the blind eyes, open the deaf ears. You know, so every time that, you know, Jesus was, you know, he took, the hand of the little girl that was sick helped her out of bed. No, she did. Yeah, that's right. She was dead. He told them, don't worry, she's just sleeping. You know, take their hand and help them. But, you know, you, you got to, you know, when we start finger pointing, it's because we don't want people to look at what's here. Okay? So this spring cleaning time, well, while we're going through this series, is a spring cleaning. Let's get our house in order. Clean house. And then it's a whole lot easier to take a hand than it is to point a finger. All right. Jumping in. Before I read the scriptures, which we're going to be reading 18 through 29, the history of the church of Thyatira, Thyatira was located in Asia Minor. It lies in the far west of Turkey, south of Istanbul, and almost due east of Athens. Thyatira was regarded as a holy city, for within it stood the temple of the ancient Lydian sun god, Trimenos. Upon the early coins of this city, this god is represented as a horseman bearing a double-headed battle axe, which if you've noticed, every church, their gods always are a duplicate, if you want to say an evil duplicate, a, a, a counterfeit of God and all his things. I've told you before, the enemy, the devil, is not a creator. He's a twister. He takes what God has already established and wants it for himself. So he twisted this whole horseman with a double-headed battle axe. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, okay. Read Revelations. 
You can go ahead of me and keep reading, you know, right? And go ahead. All right, another temple at Thyatira was dedicated to Sambath. At this shrine was a prophetess believed to represent Jezebel, which Jezebel, Ahab's wife, back in the Old Testament, um, it was Elijah the prophet that was standing strong for God. She had all these false prophets. Anyway, he, he had it, which I love this story. My goodness, I love the story when, you know, uh, Elijah tells all the false prophets, come on, you know, let's have a, uh, a dance-off, you know. <laughs> let's see who's going to win this one. And, you know, they did all they wanted to, and which, by the way, if you look up that story, they were cutting themselves onto their God. It is, a, it is an idle form of worship, cutting themselves. And so, I mean, it was way back then. It, and they were doing it until blood was flowing, it was calling. And yet their God, like Elijah kept saying, was he in the bathroom? He can't hear you? You know, he must have really been stockpiling the toilet paper, right? <laughs> anyway, which, by the way, if you need any, I've got some extra, okay? It's all right. We got you covered. <laughs> that one. So Jezebel was Ahab's wife who would tell him how to run things. This, in Revelations 2, this prophetess... Um, in this Sambath, in this shrine, was a prophetess believed to represent the Jezebel of this Revelations 2, who uttered the sayings which this deity would impart to his worshipers. Thyatira was the smallest of all the seven churches, and yet she received the longest letter. It lay about 45 miles to the southeast of Pergamum, which we talked about her, and was famous for its textiles, especially the production of purple dye and its trade guilds, which trade guilds, guilds were a fancy way of saying like these um, unions. You could not buy and sell without being, um, you couldn't buy and sell easily, I'll put it that way, without being uh, in the union part of these trade guilds. Um, otherwise, you're just only getting the people who aren't in there. I mean, it was, it was hard, and they were very um, strict. All right, so let's read Revelations, and then we're going to jump into it like we've been doing um, the last four weeks, which will break down each, each verse, okay? And really get into it. Uh, verse 18, to the angel, and remember the word angel is messenger. Um, also, most scholars believe that's rightly um, described as the, the pastor or the leader of the church. Here's to the angel, to the messenger, to the pastor the, of the church in Thyatira, right. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. 
you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I do not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on, or the King James Version says hold fast. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give him, or I will give authority over the nations. And then he starts quoting scripture. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, I ask right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you continue to open our ears, open our hearts to receive, to hear, to receive, and to apply your word spoken this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. Again, Jesus restates, these are not John's words. These are my words. And you notice that every week or every letter, he, he picks out a part of him that draws attention to that church. He's talking about his blazing eyes, blazing eyes that can see through like refiner's fire right into the very depth of who you really are. It burns off all the dross, all the junk, all those, you know, uh, you know, painting, covering. Remember the Pharisees, Sadducees, they made themselves look so beautiful on the outside, but he says, you are dry, dead, full of dead men's. Inside you is just, you know, he sees right through that. His eyes can see through. Says his feet are like burnished bronze, which means he said, walk this way. There's no other way. He'll stand strong and stand true. He goes on to say, I know your deeds. And then he points it out. Your deeds, your love, your faith, service, perseverance. And he says, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Man, this, was, this is the best encouragement given to all the churches. And yet it was the smallest church. Notice like the parable of the talents, just because they have more did not mean that they didn't have to strive for more. God has given everyone something. And he requires that we use it for producing more what? To reach more. We are 
we're called to be distribution centers. You can't feed the hungry if you don't have food yourself, can you? You can't offer toilet paper to somebody else if you ain't got none yourself. And it costs money. As a matter of fact, this last weekend, it cost you a whole lot of money if you were one of those that ran out there and, and had to have some. Which, by the way, let, let me just say, uh, Brian and I, we were kind of laughing at this. You're like, you're kidding me, right? Toilet paper, you know? I could see maybe Kleenex, but I didn't know it affected that end, you know? The corona, you know what? Toilet paper? Or, you know, some of the things, it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, but toilet paper? And so I looked at Brian, we was driving down state, and I said, you know, I forgot to buy toilet paper when we got groceries a couple days ago. And I said, and, and I was looking, and it is like really out. Like everywhere is, is out. And he's like, nah, all the way down state. He's like searching. He's like, they are out. <laughs> I mean, like the closest Sam's that had toilet paper was in Wisconsin. You know, you guys, that might be a fundraiser on your way back. Just start everywhere. Buy up toilet paper and go out and sell it by the square. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. So we get downstate to Isaiah's house, my, my son, my oldest son. And we're laughing about this. I'm like, toilet paper. And he sometimes jumps on my Amazon account because I have Prime and he'll buy things. And I said, and, um, buddy, I saw you bought a case. <laughs> Might have to get some of that from you, you know, to head back because I can't find it. And, you know, anyway, he showed me and I'm like, I, you know, Amazon. And I said, well, let me know when it comes available. You know, you can click that little button there. I mean, no one, because it was saying like April 18th. I'm like, Brian, we ain't got it. I'm over the fish and loaves over the squares. Jesus, make this. You know, I got, I got two teenage boys in my house. And so it was saying April 18th, and I'm like, I can't believe toilet paper. When I got up, alert on my phone, oh, that toilet paper is available now. I'm like, yeah, and I bet it's a whole lot cheaper, too. Because it's not, no, anyway, sorry, I get off. Sorry, but you can't help people if you are constantly in need yourself. What he's trying to say is he's given everybody something. I know your deeds, and you're doing more than you did at first. And again, with the parable of the talents, he gave someone... He gave, he gave to one person one, he gave to one person five, he gave to one person ten, right? Or something like that. He didn't say, now, guy, you with one, I only expect you to, well, you know, hold on to that one. And guy with the five, well, you've got more, so, well, you don't need to do much. No, he expects the same out of everybody. Just because he's given different amounts to him doesn't mean that, you know, what is, um, I think it was Moses that said, it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. He's given some the ability to dance like an angel. Let me tell you that. I love that. Mm. I love that. Because my little white body is like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I want to dance like that, but I'm sorry. To, it don't. <laughs> Looks like an accident that just happened. People go by. And I'm like, look, they're looking at me dancing. 
And they're just like, what was that? Anyway, so Pastor Dan banned me from coming Friday night. Let me see. Um, but he gives everybody something, and when you hold on to it, for whatever reason, name a thousand excuses, because, well, I've, I'm too old now, I've done my time. That's a sin. Because you're taking that thing that he gave you, whatever it is, whether it's a lot or a little, and you're burying it. See, he was encouraging them for holding on, or hold fast until I come, and I'll get to that in a, at the end of the message. But don't stop doing, doing. It's not that I've done, I've heard that from so many older people, I've done my time. That is wrong. He never said, now you older people, you can sit down and not do any more. Or the young people, you're not old enough, sit down and wait your turn. I have to tell you, I don't know, my grandma's funeral, my mom's mom's funeral, um, I was blown away. Tyler, was you six, seven? six, seven years old, I think it was. At the funeral, I was so glad they didn't ask me to do anything. I got to set and, and just, you know, because most of the family always turns to me, do the funeral. I'm like, oh, great. I don't even get to cry for this one, you know, which I'm not a big crier anyway. Anyway, Tyler gets, ask Isaiah, looks at Isaiah and says, I have a scripture I want to read. At the funeral. And Isaiah leans back, and I'm like, yes! You know, and he like, he nailed it. I, I tell you, that pastor, I was apologizing because she never even, I don't even think she quoted a scripture. Tyler was the only one that quoted scripture at my grandma's funeral. So don't think you're too young, you can't do, or that you're too old and you've already done. You need to continue to do. Whatever he's given you, do his will with it. And continue to. Never settle. Don't get complacent. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate this woman, Jezebel. Remember last week, and if you weren't here for last week, get online, listen, podcast, listen. You tolerate. We will not be judged innocent for tolerating sin. Well, it's not my place to say anything. I'll tell you, again, if you're offering compassion and love and a hand of hope, that's different than pointing a finger. All right? You don't have to tolerate it because you're afraid, well, who am I to judge? How about you just love them, take their hand, and walk with them? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ and help them out of it. This church was doing many things well, but they were being led astray by someone teaching false doctrine. Evidently, a woman claiming to be a prophetess had been influencing people in the church to join the local trade guilds without which a tradesman could not work in the city. This meant participation in the guild feasts that included immoral acts and the worship of idols. This Jezebel taught this blending of beliefs and was, it was exemplified in the city. 
the particular occasion seems to have been the guild feast when the Christian may have been pressed by the need to conform to this environment to eat the food sacrificed to idols. Presumably, Jezebel argued that a Christian might join a guild and participate in its idol feasts and activities without thereby compromising their faith. This blending of beliefs. Jesus said that I am the way. There's not many ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. You know, it, it's not many ways to the Lord. He just said it's not the wide path. It's the narrow one. That's those feet of bronze, burnished. There's only one way. And I, he says, I'm standing strong. He won't bend. He won't bow. He, I mean, he put it in the top ten. Don't make any other gods. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing before me. Goes on to say, who calls herself a prophetess. We must be careful to measure all and their words and their, I've got a prophecy, I've got a word for you. Measure it, line it up with the word of God. It should bear witness in you and it should not go against the word of God. Just because they call themselves a prophet or call themselves a teacher, call themselves a pastor. Um, yeah, I won't go there. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hand over my mouth. I felt it. Just because someone calls themselves something does not mean they are sent by God. Measure it up. Line it up with the word. Okay? Going on. By her teaching, she misleads my servants. Remember last week, we spent a lot of time on this. About those who entice, seduce, trap God's children. And which, again, by the way, all are God's children, okay? Don't ever get blinded into the idea that only the saved are his children. We're all his children. We just got some that are still running wild and need to be brought back in. But some are leading, he says, she misleads my servants, they entice them away from complete loyalty to God. And again, we addressed this last week, Matthew 18, 7. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. He said, it would be better for you. That's what I was forgetting. I forgot to make sure you guys all had message note cards and pens like we do every week. Because remember to be a faithful steward of God's word. We take notes. That's right. So we can go back and look at, yeah, Betty's like, I got mine. I wish I had chocolate for you right now. That one week I came in with all this chocolate. I'm like, if you got a message, no card, I'll give you chocolate. But I ain't got nothing for you today. So anyway, take notes anyway. Um, verse 21. I have given her time to repent of her immorality. And here it is. He, this is it. He said, I've given her time. And again, he's talking about this prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess. That is like the Jezebel of old. 
He said, I've given her time to repent, which means there's been plenty of pastors, plenty of leaders, plenty of people that have come her way and tried to... Hello? Yeah. And I believe in a nice, loving way, taking her by the hand, but she wouldn't have it. Anybody know somebody like that? Okay, don't raise your hand and don't elbow anybody, okay? Not good. He gave her time. To, here it's described God's abundance, grace, and love for all. And it's in a four-letter word, time. T-I-M-E. This proves God loves. This proves God has compassion. That he has mercy. And it's in his time. In his patience. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God proves his love by his patience and giving us more time. The boys and I were talking about this this last week. When Jesus was walking the earth, he was saying, when the end of times gets close, when I'm about ready to return, you're going to see, and he starts naming these things. This is going to happen. That's going. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be, you know, rumors of wars and war. And there's going to be, you know, brother and, and children will turn against parents. And, you know, there will be, you know, all this stuff. And he said, and then, you know, look up. So he was giving us warnings to look for. Or, or not warnings, but signs to look for. And like the boys and I were saying, he already said he's coming back. And then when he comes back, the minute a person dies or at the rapture, we stand before the judgment seat of God. And we have to give an account for what we've done and haven't done. So it's like a, the parent who is leaving the house and looks at the boys and says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z before I come back. If I come back and X, Y, and Z is not done, I'm beating your butt. I don't have to be politically correct in here, right? I mean, I really don't beat them. Um, there will be uh, consequences. Let's put it that way so I'm, I'm better. I forgot we go online. Um, there will be consequences. Now, my love, compassion, and mercy for them is proven when I pick up the phone halfway or an hour from the house and say, I'm about home. <laughs> Did you get X, Y, and Z done? Right? So that when I get home, I'm not trying to go because, you know, some people have interpreted that, well, he doesn't want anybody to know the time so he can just go, boo, I'm here. Yeah, scare us. And now we're like, <gasps> no, he's called us over and over again. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I'm an hour away from the house. I'm getting close. Do you see all these things happening? I'm getting close. Get ready. Right? Get your house in order. 
Come on, do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't you, wanna, don't you want God to find you doing what he said to do? Except not in the way that I don't like pulling up in the driveway and I told the boys to do X, Y, Z. And I pull up and, and I can see the curtains moving because of the running around they're trying to do at the last second. And I walk in the house and their idea of cleaning up after they make dinner is not my idea of cleaning up. The doing what I ask you to do while I'm gone does not mean run around frantic, frantic at the last second and do, uh, you know, a halfway good job. No. Don't you want, I mean, people used to come to me all the time. Now they don't even come to me about it because they, they know me. Um, it's okay. Don't you want to, you know, come out, hang out with us. You know, when I was in a motorcycle club, this was a little bit more. Um, come hang out with us. I know it's only midnight, but you can drink your, your pop or your iced tea. And I'm like, that is not where I want to be found when Jesus comes back. Because if I just sip, I know the minute I take a sip, you know, he's just going to, and I don't want to be found there. I don't want to be found running around trying to get things fixed or done at the last second. But he's given us all these signs and all these calls to, to help us know it's getting close. I mean, I'm torn all the time. And yes, I want Jesus to come back now. I'm, I'm ready. And I pray that all the time. Lord, I don't want anybody really close to me to die. Can we just all go in the rapture? You know, hello? I don't like funerals and to sit there and really have to, you know, cry and snot, you know, over somebody close to me. You know, if you just come back, it'll be a lot easier. Um, and, and, but then I'm torn because there's so much more to do. You know, I still got two kids running wild out there. I want them back. So I'm torn, you know, like Paul said, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be with the Lord, but I also know I need to be here for you. And, you know, what's going to be better for you? I guess staying here. So when, when I start praying for the Lord's return, it turns into a, you know, repentance and crying out and forgiveness for all. And Lord, don't come back, you know, until my children are ready. And, you know, I know if I've got that heart, he's got that heart over his children. So he would want us crying out for them too. But here it shows his, his compassion, his mercy is in, seen in his time. He's given us. But it says that, but she was unwilling. Man, if we could just hold in our hand the amount of time that we have. Even for some, you know, it's all different. Hold it in our hand and just be able to briefly look at it. I think we would take more serious our every day. Not wasting a minute. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I kind of like to go to bed early. I, I like to get my seven in there. You know, it's a perfect number. It's a holy number. So I figure, you know, I need that. You know, like last night, don't laugh at me. I went to bed at 9.30. You laughed at I told you not to laugh at me. You know? Well, when the alarm goes off at 5, you know, I'm jumping up and already singing. Why? 
because I got my rest in. But if I, if I could see for a minute how many days I have left, I tell you, sleep wouldn't seem that much important anymore. You know, there would be priority shifts. You know, sitting back in my chair and having three, four hours to do nothing wouldn't seem important anymore. There would be priority shifts. And that's what I hope we are seeing here is that God, when he's given us... That would have came out really wrong if I would have finished that sentence. Um, when we open our eyes and see what's happening around us, it's another one of those signs that you're seeing that the end is getting closer. Don't waste any more time. Don't waste any more time. She was unwilling to repent is that she ignored the warnings. She ignored the warnings. She ignored the phone call. She ignored the, come on. Even the Jezebel, God says, I wanted her. That's still his child. And let me just say, let's be honest for a second. When you procrastinate, when you push off later what you're supposed to do today, you have become your own God. Because you have declared, you know you have more time. When you procrastinate, you have created yourself as your own God. So I can do this later. Uh, I used to say that all the time in my, you know, heathen running around days and doing all this stuff. That when I get old and married, you know, and have nothing I can live for anymore when I become 30. I'll get my life right with Jesus. Because I know you need to do that before you die. And 30 I got, I thought was pretty close to death. I became my own God. I declared that I had a set amount of time. And that's wrong. Come on, people. This blending of beliefs that she's doing, or that we do, come on. It's, it's a culture today, this blending of beliefs. You know, when people don't like it when I start asking them for their source. You know, where'd you hear that? Where'd you hear, you know, we, we all laughed and had a fun time a few months ago when we, we admitted that some things we thought were in the scripture were just sayings from our grandma. You know? Like, oh, that's not in the Bible? No, what's your source? Come on, think about where your source. And this blending of beliefs is no different than you creating a religion. You creating your own religion. This blending of well, God, I know God said that, but he don't expect that anymore. I'll just leave. I'll drop that microphone right there and I'll walk away from it. Verse 22, i got to hurry up. I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Hard words. But again, and throughout the entire Bible, we looked at it a little last week and the week before, and throughout the whole Bible, God does not mix words here. He considers uh, spiritual unfaithfulness the same as physical um, adultery. Spiritual unfaithfulness is the same as physical adultery. Why? We're in a holy covenant union. We are his bride. 
And when we say yes to him, what does he say? Say no to all others, right? He doesn't want part of your heart. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. Again, I was sharing this with a friend before service, that we, our Western culture, our mind, has a hard time grasping this kingdom principle. That there's a king, he decrees, <laughs> these are laws, precepts that you need to follow, that there is a lord that we serve, you know, we, in our Western culture, it's like, you can't tell me. I can do what I want to do. Don't tell me to do that. You know, we, it's ha we have a hard time understanding that. But there is a kingdom, right? We, see, we all want all the blessings, but don't tell me any rules or precepts or all those, you know, things I, have, I can't do or can do. So you want to be the Lord of your own life. You just want all the blessings of the king? It just doesn't happen. That's a blending of beliefs. You've created your own religion. Actually, you've made yourself your own God. You know? Yeah. Good luck with that. Can I say that nicely? Um, yeah. I'm going to be very careful. But when he talks about, I'm going to cast her on a bed, whoever commits adultery with her. See? He's saying it. You were supposed to be in a holy union with me, but you keep sleeping with her. Same thing. When we say we've given God our entire heart, that we bow down, he is the Lord of our life, but we still go out and do what we want to do, we're sleeping with the world. We're committing spiritual adultery against God. He says that. And he goes on to say, unless they repent of her ways. And let me just encourage you repenting, which we'll do here at the end. Um, and I'm somewhat getting close to closing. But you have nothing better to do. Your kids don't have to get up for school tomorrow. Don't, you know. And, and some of you don't even have to go into work tomorrow. So, you know, I can go a little bit longer. You're going to give me more time. You're all starting to glare at me. I should have brought chocolate. Anyway. <laughs> calling a holy fast right now and then no I'm just kidding okay repenting includes three things repenting includes asking forgiveness asking forgiveness which is not just have you ever oh no I'm not going to say that it's not just being sorry you got caught I'm sorry I remember when Brian and I was first married, he knew that he needed to get that out real fast. And I'm like, a couple times, I'm like, do you even know what you're sorry for? He's like, no, but I just know I'm sorry. <laughs> just tell me what to do. I don't care. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Like, don't tell me you're sorry if you don't know why you're sorry. Forgiveness is not just being sorry you were caught but being sincere. And so sometimes it is actually the majority of the time, most of the time, maybe every time. You should, you know, not, don't try to pick every, okay. You know, this isn't like going into that little box and confession. Let's see, I, I swore, I said, you know, the, the other four-letter word uh, five different times last week and four, you know. You don't have to name every one of the, you know, sins that you've done. But maybe you need to spend some time just, like we said, you know, looking at your house, 
looking inside. You know what, God, I just went, I went this whole week and kind of just fell into the trap of, you know, doing things. And I just realized I don't remember picking up my Bible. I don't remember spending any time alone with you this week. You know, spend time. When you're asking for forgiveness, when he calls us to repentance, he's asking for a time of forgiveness. You know, look in your spouse in the face and understanding what broke their heart. It's huge. That's being sincere. I just realized I just went a thousand different places this week and I never once spoke your name. And yet you put inside of me the good news to share with other people. They're your children. And so spend some time. Not just being sorry that you got caught or sorry God I screwed up again. You know, oh, you know I'm, a, I'm a worm. I'm a wreck. I'm so woe is me. You know, not that. Please. It's looking him in the face and really knowing what might have broken his heart this week and asking for forgiveness. It includes changing the way you think. And he was telling them here for, that they need to repent of her ways. Changing the way you think is changing the way it says that don't stop thinking like the world thinks. Stop doing things the way the world does things. Stop trying to figure out how to solve your own problems. Stop that. Stop that. Change the way you think. The Bible says that we've been given the mind of Christ. That we're supposed to back ourselves up into the kingdom of heaven and declare, decree, and make heaven's reality so on earth, just as it is in heaven. Make it so. And how do we do that? By the way we think. So when we let chaos and worry and anxiety and doubt and fear, you know, run rampant in our minds, it pushes him right out. Change the way you think. And then the third one is recommit. Commit again. I mean, if you've ever had an argument with your spouse, you know that woman is not letting you back out of that room until you tell her how we're going to keep this from happening again. Right? Nope. All you husbands got real quiet. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying nothing. Yeah, right, women? We need to know that. Why? Because we don't want it to happen again. And just to let you know, God is both male and female. So he has a woman's heart and mind too. Okay? He knows. Come on, tell me how you're going to stay committed. Tell me you want to renew our vows. Tell me that you still love me. Tell me that you love me more today than you did at first. Right? All those things. Recommit again. Uh, I'm going to have to jump ahead. Because last week we ran out of time and I actually took away the best part, which was not wise on my part. But let me quickly, I'm not going to walk away from the pulpit. I need to stand right here so I can get through these and then give you the good news at the end. He, when he says, I'll strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches, there it is again, searches hearts and minds. He has those eyes that can see through. 
When he says, I will strike her children dead, again, remember, we're talking about those who are deceiving people in the church. He doesn't deal lightly with people who ensnare, entice, or draw away people from being committed loyally, faithfully to him. He doesn't treat it lightly. But he, I believe that this statement um, are those who are masquerading as children, as Christians in the church. Because his statement that then the church will know that I am he who searches the heart, that I can see through it. You can say all the right amens, you can do all the right things, but I know who you are. And remember, we've said that, Pastor Neil said that, and we keep repeating that, that the enemy will flood you with truth to float a lie. So if he can look like the average attender right beside you and whisper a thousand good things, he'll do that so that he can spit out one little lie that will trip you up. They were masquerading as Christians in the church. And he said, I will repay you back. I will repay each of you, everyone, according to your deeds. Not your intentions. Oh, man, God, if you would have came tomorrow, you would have found me doing what I was supposed to be doing. It's your fault, God. You came too early. I mean, isn't there... I told you I wouldn't leave this. Sorry. I'm going to hold on to this, but it's still in me. There's people in the church today that you'll hear them say when, when you try to help instruct, when you try to help encourage them, that they'll say, oh, yeah, I don't have to do that because God knows my heart. They actually pick and choose what they have to abide by, what they have to live by, and what they don't because, well, God knows my heart. Do you realize that he said here, he searches hearts and minds. His eyes are blazing. Yes, he knows your heart. And that's about as absurd as you standing at an altar to get married to your husband or to your wife and say, I commit my whole heart to you, but my body is all my buddies. And all my girlfriends and boyfriends, my body's going to do what my body wants to do. But my heart, baby, I give to you. Now, you, you just there's a special word for you if you say yes to that one. Sure. No, it, you can't do that. God doesn't want... You to just commit your heart to him and then let you do what you want to do. He wants all of you. He gave all of him for you. He said, I'll give you all of me in you and all of you in me. There's no room for anything else or anybody else. It's a yes to him and a no to everything else. In verse 24, he says, now to the rest of you, keep, hold on to your teaching or hold fast. Um, when he talked about Satan's so-called deep secrets, she was actually, I keep trying to walk away. I'm holding on. I'm going to, but she was trying to teach them that if you blend these beliefs together, that you're acquiring this deep secret, this vast wisdom, this deep wisdom that you know little Christians that do those do's and don'ts they don't understand yet 
That's what he's talking about. That's what she was preaching. That they have attained this, this deep secret. Have you heard people in the church today saying, yeah, but I've a I've attained to a, a grace that allows me to do what I want to do because, you know, God paid for that and, you know, we can have an abundant life. You've heard it today. Come on. Moving on. Uh, I'll jump over that one. Um, hold on. Hold fast. Okay, here it is. To him who overcomes. And now I'm wrapping up. So, Amy, you want to come up here? That helps me wrap up real fast. But you have nothing better to do, so, okay. To him who overcomes, and this is the first time he puts an and. To his promise, this is the first time he puts an and here. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end. So yes, you better be holding fast, but he says, and, he restates what he said earlier, don't stop doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. I did not give you a done. You get that, when you enter in heaven, you're looking for the done. The well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's when you can say, I'm done. While you're here, you better be busy about doing the Lord's will. He said, don't let go of that. Keep doing it. Constantly be increasing more, giving more, saying more, reaching more, doing more. And then he says, I will give authority over the nations. And he quotes scripture, which what he quotes is Psalms 2, I believe. Um, where it was God saying to Jesus in Psalm 2 that he's given him authority. Ask me, he says, and I'll give you the nations. He was saying that to his son. Today is my son. Oh, I know, I'm running out of time, but let me show you this. Psalm 2. the nations conspire people plot in vain kings on the earth take their stand the rulers gather together against the Lord against the Holy One let us break their chains throw off their feathers which let me just they're saying the enemies are saying let's just pray uh, proclaim everybody can just live by grace you don't have to be you don't have to be loyal to anybody anymore there's not a holy union just you know throw it all do whatever you want to do if it feels good do it verse 4 the one enthroned in heaven laughs that's not going to go well for him. He scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger. And he says, I've installed my king. I've given you a king. On Zion, my holy hill. And I will proclaim and decree. He said, you are my son. Today I have become my father. Where have you heard that before? Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Again, this is God now saying this to Jesus, his king. He's established. And to the ends of the earth, your possession, you will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. He's, who's he talking about? Those ones 
that are running around telling all his children, do whatever you want to do. You don't have to listen. You don't have to be loyal. You don't have to be committed. So when he quotes this in Revelation, he says, I will give authority over the nation. This is Jesus, remember, saying this to us, to him who overcomes. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority to, from my Father. I will also give it to you. To him who overcomes the same authority that Jesus got from the Father to rule over nations, he says, here, I give that to you, who overcomes. And then he goes on in the next verse and he says, and I will also give him the bright morning star. Revelations, I think it's 24. No, 22. 16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel, my messenger, to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus says, I give myself to you. What better holy union is there than that? I give all of me to all of you. To him who overcomes, to him who stays committed and faithful, loyal to me. I'm in him, he's in me. That intimacy, that into me he sees. Verse 29 again, like he does at the close of every letter. To him who has an ear, let him hear. Again, it's not about hearing the word and knowing the word. Memorizing the word. It's not enough. You have to apply it. You have to take it in. Ask the author for understanding of the scripture. Practical. I ask all the time. I want practical understanding. I don't want some lofty knowledge that I can, you know, ooh, listen to all her big words. I don't care about that. But that I can explain it in a simple, practical way that you can pick it up and run with it. That's my heart. And that's what I ask for all the time. God, give me such simplicity in understanding your word that I can easily walk it out. That I'll be a good steward. That I'll receive those words when I get into heaven. Well done, thy faithful servant. Would you stand? Jesus' warning was stop tolerating false teaching. This blending of beliefs. This idea that you are your own God. And you have control of your time. I do blah, 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 blah. Stop it. He says to the faithful ones, hold fast until I return. Keep doing what you're doing that you're not settling. You're constantly doing and doing more and doing more and doing more. Keep doing. And for everybody else, repent quickly. He's called the house one more time. I'm getting close to getting home. Are you ready? And his reward, Jesus promises to give himself 
to us and the same authority you receive from the Father, he says, I'll give to you to rule nations. To rule nations. So let me ask you two questions. We're going to call up call you up to the altar again our belief is we don't just receive the word and walk out um, that's where the enemy dwells to pick that seed that word right away from you and you'll walk out of here and sit around at lunchtime and go what? that was a good word really what, what did she talk about oh, I don't know what was that what did she say it's gone 